Good morning, and welcome to episode 700 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello, Sam. Hi, Ben. Quick PSA, if you are a hang-up-and-listen listener, the Slate podcast and you should be. Sam and I did a sort of segment. Josh and Mike and Stefan asked us to fill in. We're one of a few podcasts filling in for the regular host today, so you can go over there and listen to us talk about Jose Fernandez and Matt Moore and Tommy John surgeries, and you should listen to Hang Up and Listen anyway when we're not on it because it is one of our favorite podcasts and we listen every week, so we were flattered to be asked. So that's another place that you can find us this week, but Today, we are talking to Anthony Reskin, and every now and then I like to talk to a sabermetrician abroad. We've talked to people in Cuba about how they use stats there, and I was contacted by Anthony, and uh, he works for the Sydney Blue Sox of the Australian Baseball League, and he is sort of the, the informal director of baseball analytics, and we wanted to talk to him about how he uses stats there, how stats are used there generally. Hello, Anthony. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Happy to. So we briefly talked about Australian baseball in episode 334. I think we talked about the Canberra Cavalry. talked to Drew Samuelson, and he gave us a little bit of the lowdown about Australian baseball. But just to refresh people's memories, can you tell us a little bit about the ABL? When did it start? How many teams are there? Who plays in it? That sort of thing. Yeah, so this is sort of the second iteration of the league. First iteration of the league ran through the 90s. Had some couple significant players. I think Vernon Wells was probably the most significant one to play in that iteration of the league. But it folded for financial reasons. And since then, the MLBs brought it back. uh, Six teams. 48-game schedule, you know, it lasts during winter ball. So we see a lot of guys coming from farm systems that maybe got hurt, maybe need some more at-bats just in general or mornings pitched. So we'll see those guys down there. We'll see any ball guys and we'll see our Australian players. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a a different kind of experience for a lot of guys because, you know, you're coming out of your comfort zone if you're not Australian, and if you are, you know, um, it's definitely nice for those guys to get home or get to play baseball in the summer. Did you say Vernon Wells? <laughs> yes, I'm Googling yeah. frantically. <laughs> I can't find evidence. Vernon Wells, because Vernon Wells was like an elite prospect from like age 17 on. When did he find time in his busy schedule of ultimately disappointing everybody in the world <laughs> to go to Australia? <laughs> yeah. It popped up on Wikipedia, and somebody told me that when I was down there, too. Yeah, um, he, he played so as a 19-year-old. He played the 1998-99 to 99 Australian Baseball League season with the Sydney Storm. So he was a 1997 draft pick. So he just went down there for, for seasoning, I guess, in the offseason. He went to the ABL. What? That's interesting. Let's, let's stop talking about everything we are going to talk about. <laughs> And this is all three of us simultaneous deep dive into this. <laughs> this is odd. So when does the ABL season run? Uh, it runs generally November, December, January. That's that time period. Playoffs in February. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, so we had, uh, we had some people who, who emailed us wanting to play for the Stompers 
who uh, had played in Australia. In fact, it was somewhat common that it seemed like a lot of guys had either played in, in Germany or Australia uh, at some point. And um, we never quite knew what to, to make of that. Was that like we? Do you have an idea of what the level of play is? Like it seemed like in, in some cases it seemed like a uh, a a good league because uh, players who who played well in in higher leagues went to Australia, and then in other cases it'd be like uh, some guy who we wouldn't sign was playing like you know like out of position in Australia and hitting like three sixty, and so we couldn't figure out exactly how to adjust for that. Yeah, I mean, generally gets thrown around. It's double-A quality, um, oh. you get a lot of interesting sort of things. Like one, uh, one of the more interesting guys I saw, uh, Morgan Coombs, pitched for Adelaide. And he's a, he plays for the Gary Railcats, I think, which is by me. But um, he throws like 79, and he is ERA. I, have to, I don't know what his FIP is off the top of my head, but his ERA was like 1.6 this year. Something insane. But you see those things, and it's just like, how does that even happen? But at the same time, I mean, I think that's a reflection of how kind of the the thinking in this, this league is kind of grounded in that more traditional, like, uh, this guy's a real gamer. Uh, he's got, you know, that, that, that real baseball player type attitude. And also just playing, getting guys to come to Australia. Mm-hmm. What what is the uh, what is sort of the the standard velocity in that league? Is it like a mid eighties league? Is it a high eighties league? Um, I'd say mid mid or high. Yeah, because a lot of the broadcasts don't have velocity, and we don't really have a ton of information on how hard guys throw. Like we have a couple guys who throw mid nineties. Yeah, Eric Sookie, he was a prospect with the Angels, and he had some control issues I think when he was with the Angels, but he throws mid-90s, and Lewis Thorpe, who didn't pitch last year, but he's a big prospect for the Twins, and he's, I think, low in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And what is the, uh, do you know what the BABIP is? <laughs> yeah, I could pull it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I could pull it up. Kevin Millwood played for the ABL in 1997, which is <laughs> strange. <laughs> Kevin Millwood in the peak of his career. <laughs> Just strange ABL cameos in the late 90s. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> well, well, that's weird because Kevin Millwood in 1997 was a, like a major leaguer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you sadly I do not... To, I wanted, now I want, to, I want to do one. Hang on. Uh, Roy, Royce Clayton played in the ABL in 1995. Uh-huh. That's totally made up, but... Jeff, I, I, Jeff Blum did in 1995. That's a real one. I just want to know if Royce Clayton appeared as Miguel Tejada in <laughs> Australia. Right. <laughs> Jeff Blum is a is an I mean, Jeff Blum is basically an Australian name. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you sadly do not have an Australian accent, much to the dismay of our listeners. So, how did you end up working for an Australian baseball league team? Uh, study abroad. Uh huh. It uh, set up an internship, and I put I like baseball, and I know stats and you know stuff like that. And they set it up, and it snowballed. It was really just an internship, and then I, mean, I still didn't get paid. But I had like a whole big responsibility of setting up this whole system. Uh, you know, I really hadn't done a lot of work w- with the actual numbers before then, so it was learning programs too, and really investing a lot of my free time into sort of 
developing the system, uh, you know, coaxing our coaches who were, you know, really open to the concept, but I had to explain these, you know, stats and methodologies and stuff to them and how we would use them and sort of the caution that we had to take with them and at the same time, you know, how to weigh these things and make these player decisions. So, I mean, you know, and now I, I do everything from Chicago. <laughs> so, like, we have, um, every week we try to go over, you know, line, how to construct a lineup, how, how we want to leverage the bullpen, uh, what guys we want to throw out there and stuff like that. And it's all being done over a Facebook chat in Chicago and Sydney. <laughs> wow. So were the Blue Sox looking for a statistical analyst, or were they just looking for someone, and you happened to be that someone, and you pushed this? Uh, I think it would be more uh, the latter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think uh, once I got there, they kind of talked to me, stuff I'm interested in, how I could help the club. And right when I said I was you know, good with sabermetrics and you know, know knew how to identify the numbers, kind of apply them, and stuff like that, our manager just grabbed me by the arm and said, you're coming with me and we're going to work on this. <laughs> and who's, who's your manager? Uh, Jason Pospisil. So this was not a tough sell, it sounds like. Not at all. But at the same time, um, you know, it was a lot of teaching and a lot of just kind of getting everyone sort of on the same page. So what kind of information is available to to me, if I were to go look up stats from the Australian Baseball League or to the teams themselves, what, what did you have to work with when you got there? Well, for me, what I had, um, I had the, you know, the major league, minor league stats portal. Um, so that's private, and we have access to that. It's really simple. It gives us a decent amount of detail to go into, but at the same time, um, it's not you know, anywhere near what you would have in a major league or really even a minor league club because uh, we don't have any pitch FX. We don't have any way to really track, you know, velocity or any any other sort of things that might help really help us that aren't on your play-by-play or your just general aggregations in the in from, from the games. Um, so that's definitely a hurdle. Um, something we have to consider. Uh, we don't really have the money even <laughs> to go out and get any of that. So a lot of it has to be done just with me kind of typing stuff into the computer and using my skills to basically squeeze this data and get as much as we can get out of it. Right, I was going to ask. So the budgets for these teams are, are not big. You cannot necessarily go out and buy an expensive radar gun even, let alone a tracking system. Though you could sign... Vernon Wells at this point. <laughs> he probably could. <laughs> yeah, he's been there once. <laughs> Wait, so yeah. I'm sorry. Did you? Ben said that the budget is not big enough for a radar gun, and you're agreeing. You're consenting to that premise. Uh we might be able to get a radar gun, but I don't think anyone wants to point the radar gun and actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that is the problem uh, that we found. Too. Do you? Do you guys have a like a salary cap? We do, we do. Uh, although uh, it gets a little fishy when Perth wins it every every year, and then we sit there and going, "How do they keep all these guys?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there are teams that have more money than us. Adelaide and Perth have a ton of money, and then the the way the league's set up too is we're kind of set up as the the big market team, and we're not. <laughs> 
because our stadium is about an hour out of Sydney, hour and a half really by train. That's how far I had to travel every day when I was there. Um, so we don't really get a lot of gate action, and we can't really advertise and do stuff like that. And whereas you know in Perth, the, the, the heat are huge, and and you know Melbourne's not very good, but. <laughs> Uh, Canberra has given has gotten every single opportunity to be good. They have the they're allowed the most amount of uh, minor leaguers on their team, and you know they uh, we just started a, an ABL draft where you kind of have to protect guys, and they were given I think the first like six picks. <laughs> so they get yeah we we kind of get you know stumped down on the ground and everyone else is kind of, you know, up in the sky with all these advantages over us and we have to kind of work with it. What's the makeup of a typical ABL team or your team specifically as far as what nationalities are these players and what what experience do they have in other leagues? So the way the roster is generally broken up is you have your Australian players which make up the bulk of your roster and pretty much not completely but almost all of your returning players each year. On top of that, each team gets a certain amount of guys uh, from minor league clubs. Uh, they're generally guys that are more fringy. Um, I know Kevin Kiermaier played over there with Canberra. Um, Didi Gregorius. Uh, Jacob May played with us, not this past season, but the season before. I can go on and on about how much I love Jacob, Jacob May. He had a great season for us. but um, And, you know, a lot of these guys come from different countries. I know last year we had Marcus Solback. He's with the Diamondback system, in the Diamondback system, but he is also German. Uh, Rinku Singh played for Adelaide for a while. He is obviously one of the, you know, famous John Hamm recruits. <laughs> uh-huh. And then there's other guys from, you know, Korea, Japan, China, a uh, couple Italians I've seen, and then, you know, the rest are American, Australian, and couple you know latin players and some canadians Didi gregorius in his season in australia hit 189 with a 532 ops yeah he was awful <laughs> wow so what are you doing over the off season then from chicago um so a lot of what i do is uh since we kind of know which australian guys we like and which ones we want to keep and stuff like that um what I'm doing is usually we'll get guys uh, that my manager will send me that are in a team system that we have a relationship with that uh, he wants me to take a look at. So I'll look at them. I'll try to you know watch video. I'll go over their stats. I'll try to get a better idea of what we, we would be getting and how that would fill our needs. On top of that, we guys from indie ball teams, so I have to look over you know their statistics, try to get a better idea about them. Um, and then if they play games around here, I'll go see them and try to get, you know, a good live look at them and evaluate them from there. So you are competing with us for players. I guess not really, because our seasons don't overlap. Otherwise, it would be. Yeah, you should, you should give us players. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you generally find that if you identify a player in the States, are you, are you able to convince him to, to, to come out there? Or is it a generally, like, a lot harder to convince someone to travel 18,000 miles than it is for us to get them to travel, say, 1,000 miles? <laughs> um, well, the minor leaguers are, they just kind of get sent over here, so those guys aren't exactly our job to convince, but the indie ball guys, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's usually guys that have a relationship with guys who have played in the ABL, so they'll talk, 
you know, like one of our guys, Luke Wilkins, plays indie ball right now, and he tries to talk it up as much as he can. And, you know, going to Australia, I don't think, is necessarily a bad thing. But at the same time, I, it's easy to understand when someone would have, why someone would have trepidation of going all the way across the world to play baseball for a couple months and not make very much money. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I mean, it's, it's, it's really just a player-by-player play, player basis. It's not like we really have problems with talent every year, but there's certainly, you know, can be some problems in just getting every guy that we want. So how have the stats been most helpful for you in recruiting and targeting players or in in-game tactics? Uh, I mean, it's a mix of both. Uh, I think first, first and foremost was just getting the guys that we want to keep uh, in the first season that I was there. And the biggest question for us that year that I got there was uh, around our starting shortstop, Michael Lysett. Uh He could he started off his career really well in the ABL and just fell every single year until he was, you know, pretty much D.D. glorious in his season there at the plate. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he played good defense, but it only really could provide us so much when he couldn't do anything at the plate. And we had a guy, uh, Jacob Eunice, who was in the Twins organization and was released the year before, um, who had played a little bit for us um, in the past two years, I think, before then. But the Three years ahead of three years back, he had some consistent playing time and played pretty well for us and graded out graded out well in our system and stuff like that. And I had kind of really pushed hard to keep him. I, I wanted Eunice in the lineup. And this year he played the good chunk of our games, was a really key contributor, a guy that kind of went up the the plate every time and took a lot of pitches and fought a lot of pitches off. And that's one of the things that really helped us later in games when we kind of scored most of our runs. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, identifying guys uh, has helped us really prepare for this off season and going into this season because we've had more time and actually have gotten, you know, a decent amount of names thrown at us from teams, and we've got a decent amount of names in any ball that we wanted to look at. Whereas last season, it was kind of we had a couple spots to fill, and those kind of really got filled pretty quickly with some quality players. Um, and then the in-game stuff is, you know, generally different from what you see in, in any Australian team. And we have, you know, our best hitter hitting second. We kind of don't really have a closer, but we kind of do. It kind of switches, and we kind of try to leverage our bullpen pieces. And, you know, it's, uh, it's generally, I think, provided a little bit of a push that we needed to in the playoffs last year. It was such a razor-thin race. So does it generate a lot of curiosity among your opponents when you're doing whatever you're doing, shifting, not using a closer, whatever it is? Are people taken aback by any of it? You know, I haven't really asked uh, Pops that. It's something you'd probably have to ask him. Um, I, I haven't really heard anything, but at the same time, you know, I'm not there in the dugout, you know, talking to the other manager and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So compared to what I can look up right now about a Major League Baseball player at Baseball Reference or Baseball Prospectus or Fangraphs or where or wherever, what depth of information is available to you if you go to a Australian Baseball League player page, whatever the equivalent of that is? <laughs> well, um, you know, it's managed by the my Major League Baseball or Major League Baseball properties. We have, you know, all the basic stuff on there. 
on the on the regular website. And I think some of our guys have. I think Baseball Reference is starting hosting, you know, the basic data, but you know, it's really nothing beyond what you would have had in the '90s, where it was, you know, there's your slash and home runs, RBIs, you know, single, double, triple, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, and what, think, what have you been able to add to that as a supplement? Uh, I mean, working with linear weights is really the, was really the first step, and you know, uh, defensive independent statistics with pitching and you know, rate statistics have really been helpful too. We've been trying to really push. You know, we want to walk more, we want to strike out less, and we want the inverse of that with our pitchers, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's it's really not super deep, but at the same time, we don't have a ton of data to go into. All right, well, you know, pitch FX data, and we don't have a ton of data. You know, signifying you know how you know hang time on balls and stuff like that. Um, We've been gathering other things like general shifts. You know, we we shift off of just where you know we get the we get the hitter hitter ball type and we we get the uh, where it's been hit. So we can generally make assumptions on where the balls are being hit, and we could we've generated um, a shift score, which I actually uh, swiped off of uh, the on the box score. They mm-hmm. came up with a simple shift score, and it's really helped us kind of get an idea of that. Okay, so. You made the playoffs last year, just barely. Uh, so you are you are competing despite the lower payroll than Perth. Perth is clearly doing something dodgy with their payroll. It sounds to me. And Adelaide likes stealing our players every year. <laughs> that's a compliment. That's flattering. That means you must have good players. So, uh, how did you pick this stuff up, or how did it become an interest for you? I think it was just really gradual. Kind of, you know, I love baseball. Sit on the internet all day, really. <laughs> I wasn't that good at baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you get exposed to a lot of stuff and find fan graphs, find BP, start reading stuff, start going, hey, this stuff is, you know, really helpful. Uh, the Red Sox winning the World Series kind of helped, probably, you know, and that kind of getting it more exposure and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then beyond that, it was just really me learning software is me getting really just into how the numbers are generated by someone like me or someone like you guys to really make decisions. And is there anything about the league there that is so different that the normal sabermetric principles don't apply or that you've had to adjust what you would normally think or recommend because the conditions there are different? Are there like weird, weird ballparks? Are there... I don't know, is it different because pitchers don't throw as hard? Is there anything that has not really gelled with the traditional sabermetric understanding because this is not the traditional sabermetric league? Uh, Well, I think two things stand out. First, it's a simple thing, but when you have some Australian guys, some of them who aren't really prospects and stuff like that have day jobs, so sometimes they can only play on the weekends. Uh huh. So sometimes we have to make decisions based on that. But one of the big things, and this is huge for us, is there's some ballpark issues. So ours is a great park. It's you know your normal minor league park, the one that was used in the Olympics in 2000. So if you wanted to look up pictures, those are the ones you might find. But the ball just dies when you hit it high enough. Our park factor was 79 over the past <laughs> three years. Wow. So that's, yeah, that, that's, yeah, no one hits home runs there. <laughs> I think the only guys who really could consistently do that are like guys like Trent Olchin and guys who have like some decent amount of major league experience. 
on top of that, Adelaide is in a park that is normally an Australian rules football oval. Mm-hmm. So down the lines, I think it's 282 there. <laughs> wow. Uh, so do they stack their lineup with guys who can hit it out there, or do you do anything differently in your home park, just a bunch of ground ball hitters or bunts or something like that? I try to advocate guys who are, you know, ground ball, gap-to-gap kind of guys. We like guys generally, you know, if, if you hit it on the line, down the lines, it could go out. So we had a guy, Guy Edmonds, uh, that did that in 20, and not this past year, but the year before, and we kind of kept him around, but he ended up getting suspended for steroids, so I think that's why he was hitting all those home runs. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, we kind of try to make those adjustments at home, and this, those are generally the types of guys that we want, and... Also, I, I almost forgot, there's a third thing that we have to adjust for. The umpiring is god-awful. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we have a guy, Zach Shepard. He is a very patient hitter. He's in the, the Tiger system. I think he OPS like 972 in rookie ball last season. And he comes down to Australia, and he's a, he's a good player for us. He's really good, and he's you know 19 or 18 or something like that. And I'll watch him take a ball about foot outside the strike zone, get called for a strike, and he'll just look back at Pops and be like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think those things are definitely in the in the way we consider how we build our team. And, and because we are beholden to what teams send us, we're not always in control of that, but at the same time, the guys that we can get, we'd like for them to fit those kind of roles and fit kind of what's going on there, basically. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for uh, filling us in. I always like to check in with people who are applying this stuff in different places and finding that it works differently um, when they do. Uh, so Anthony is on Twitter at Anthony Reskin, R-E-S-C-A-N. Sydney Blue Sox are on Twitter at Sydney Blue Sox, and their games can be streamed online or their home games can be streamed online during the season. So you can watch them and you can follow them. What's the outlook for next season? I'm really hopeful. We haven't gotten our guys uh, who are getting from the minors yet. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be hopeful when you kind of got a little bit of an extra push uh, against the other team. So when do you find out who you're getting? Is there just a, is it the draft or is it you just get sent people? I think we kind of got our names in August last year is when we really kind of knew who we were getting. You know, we had some... Last year, we got some lofty names thrown around uh, before guys that are in the major leagues right now that are, you know, or have been playing well. And, you know, that would have been awesome. But, you know, we got some guys that, like Will Swander didn't really fit our ballpark, struck out a lot for the power header. And eventually, he was sent home, uh, I think, for some family issues. But, you know, it's just kind of the lock of the draw, and we see what we get, and we kind of just adapt to it. And, yeah. I mean, we have to try to make the best of a good or a bad situation. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good luck. Thank you for filling us in. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, good luck to you guys, too. Thank you. All right. So our email address is podcast at baseballperspectus.com. You can rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can support our sponsor, The Play Index, by going to BaseballReference.com using the coupon code BP and getting the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Our Facebook group is Facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild. And again, we remind you to listen to Hang Up and Listen today to hear some bonus Effectively Wild and other good stuff. 
We will be back soon.